That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Hello and welcome to Newsweek's Parting Shot, your dose of everything pop culture. I'm H. Allen Scott. Grab a cup of tea because today's episode we're getting very British. I don't know why whenever I think of anything British, I think of that episode of The Office where Kelly goes, and then I talk like this for the whole day. I mean, it's... She's not even doing a British accent. It just makes me laugh every single time, and that's what I think of. Anyway, the incredible Leslie Manville joined me today to talk about her magical new film, Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris, about a British woman in the 1950s in search of that perfect Dior dress. Spoiler alert, this film is perfect also, and I loved it. As is Leslie Manville. She's just a dream. So go on, grab a snack, because I'll be right back. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, if you're listening to this episode the day it was released, then I am speaking to you from the not-so-distant past. Don't worry, I'm still alive. I'm just on vacation. In fact, part of my vacation planning is how I stumbled across Leslie Manville's new film, Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris, as you'll hear me tell her in our conversation. In the film, Manville plays Ada Harris, a widow in the 1950s London who goes to Paris to get her very own Dior dress. If I had to compare the film to any other movie, I'd say it has the spirit of Amelie, that amazing French film. It's rooted in a very real reality of a working class woman dreaming of not quite a better life, but rather some way to add something special to her life. I mean, something, it's just, it's it's fantastical in a way that left me feeling happy, hopeful, and very excited for my own little Paris vacation, which I'm currently on as you're listening to this, if you're listening to it the day it comes out. Oh, and if you're like me and you can't get enough of Leslie Manville, well, you have the next season of The Crown to look forward to. She plays the Queen's sister, Princess Margaret. A Dior dress is designed to astonish. How will you do that, Mrs. Harris? You are nobody, invisible. 
I have to tell you how I came about even just seeing the trailer and everything. So my boyfriend and I are, are planning a trip to London. We're going next month to London and Paris. Right. And I was doing all this research and I came across the trailer and I watched it and I immediately was like, this is our trip. This is, I mean, because my boyfriend's also a designer and we love Dior and like, it's like, oh, a, right. it's perfect. It's perfect. And you, I've been a fan of you for a long time. And I was like, I need to see this movie. I need to cover this movie. I need to talk to her. This is amazing. And the film was so good. The film is so joyful. And it's, it kind of gave me the same vibe as like Amelie in a lot of ways in that it's just filled with so much unique joy. And I wanted to know how, like, how did you respond to it when you were first offered it? Well, I was, I was over, I was overjoyed as well. I mean, first of all, I just thought, wow, this title's pretty good as well. And I've, and now once you've heard that title for the first time, you kind of uh, forget the impact of the first time you heard the title. But everyone I say now, they said, oh, I've got this film coming out. They say, what's it called? You say, Mrs. Harris goes to Paris. They say, great title. <laughs> so I think the title's kind of doing a lot for us in the first place. Um, uh, and I, I, I didn't know the book. I hadn't read the book, and I hadn't seen the the old Angela Lansbury film. Yeah. Um, but it came, it came from my dear friend Rima Horton, who is Alan Rickman's widow. And Alan and Rima had been kind of had read this film, read the script a long time ago, and were huge fans of it and you know were very interested in being involved in it in some way and actually Rima as you know Alan is no longer with us but yeah. Rima is one of the exec producers on the on the film so I thought well if 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 Rima and Alan think this is a good story you know it's got to have something going for it so yeah. uh, anyway Rima said look I think it's going to come your way it's been on the boil for a while and but you know you're the perfect person to play it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So then it eventually did come my way, and this was, I think, around about ooh, it feels like maybe late 2018 or early 2019. And then, of course, COVID happened, and we were all set to do it in 2020. But we did do it in 2020, but just a little bit later. Yeah, uh, we were meant to do it. Uh, I think in June or July, and we didn't start till September. So not bad, really. Yeah. Um, and having read it, you know, I just thought, oh, well, this is this is great. You know, I can do a feel good movie. I can do a, uh, you know, a kind of let's leave, let's have the audience leaving, skipping, and feeling that their hearts are full and yeah. isn't life. Oh, well, let's do a movie like that. You know. Yeah, and it's. I mean. 
It's exactly what I needed. When we watched it, we I just was it just it just made me so happy. It's just Oh good. And even just the clothes, I mean seeing seeing the clothes, yeah. I mean and 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 her reaction to the clothes, it feels like how cuz I'm a layman when it comes to fashion. I mean my boyfriend knows fashion so well, I know nothing about fashion. Right, and right. I'm, I'm Mrs. Harris in that I'm just gobsmacked by the presence of this art that's coming out in, in, in when she's watching yes. it in the show. Did you have this, like, can you tell me a little bit more about the collaboration with Dior and how that all sort of works within the film and your reaction to the clothes? Well, well, my reaction to the clothes, you know, I love clothes. Let's just start by saying that. And obviously having made Phantom Thread, I know a lot about that period and obviously in Phantom Thread, I was playing somebody who dealt with high-end couture in the 50s. So I'd done a lot of research into Dior. So you know, all of those looks, the new look, that whole vibe of the 50s and Dior was very much in my DNA. Mm -hmm. So uh, Dior have been involved with the film, but also, you know, their work, they're, they're, it's been, we had Jenny Bevan, three times Oscar winner, designing the film. But obviously part of the thing she had to do specifically for the fashion show was recreate some of those famous Dior dresses because they are, they're iconic dresses. Yeah. Everyone knows them from looking at all the pictures from the 50s and we know those dresses. Yeah. So she had to recreate some of those. And I, I think I'm right in saying that Dior... Um, gave her some originals as well. Um, so, I mean, when I was watching that fashion show, which we shot over about three days, you know, I was kind of like Ada, just in awe of it all. And the beauty of it, just the sheer aesthetic beauty. I mean, I, I can't analyse fashion, really. It just pleases me because... It's beautiful. You know, it's just as simple as that. It's something beautiful to the eye. Mm -hmm. And that's that's it for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the reaction from the, well, the at the end of the film, um, when he talks about how, you know, you've always been beautiful, but there's something about you in that dress that just makes you even more beautiful. And it has nothing to do with the dress. It's just what the fashion brings out in the character in a lot of ways. Yeah, and I thought that was so beautiful. She wanted this dress for so long. And, you know, it's been like an epic mission for her to get this dress. And, you know, not just, just the whole journey of getting it, as well as the geographical journey of getting the dress. It's been such a huge thing for this woman who's, you know, never been abroad and, yeah. you know, doesn't, doesn't do plane journeys. And, you know, yeah. she's got... She's on, she's been on this mission like a heat-seeking missile for a Dior dress <laughs> and she's got it you know I love um, but, you know, he says yeah you're you, I mean you've always been beautiful inside and out and all of that and you just think yeah but you know come on he's actually also uh he didn't look at her when she was in the pub did he you know he was, <laughs> he was off with the young floozy who was dressed up and all kind of glamorous so but yeah. that's meant for you. What can you say? That's another discussion. Yes, yes, totally. <laughs> I will say in watching it, I because I mean, I've been a fan of yours for a long time. And and I, I have a question about some of your Mike Lee work, but I'll, I'll get to that. But I watching it, I was like, A, I hope she gets an Oscar nomination for this. And how perfect would it be? Oh. How perfect would it be if you only got Oscar nominations for films related to fashion? Because like, 
you are perfect for that. Do you ever think about awards? Do you think about awards ever? Like when you're when you when you're doing the buzz and the rounds for the for the films? No, no, you don't. Yeah, well, I, 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 I got my first encounter with all of that was when I did a film called Another Year and the Mike Lee film, and um, you know everybody I spoke to everybody said, well, you're going to get an Oscar nomination for this. And I didn't. Um, and then everyone said, oh, well, it's because there's category confusion. You know, were you the lead? Were you supporting? You, you have to make a choice as an Academy member. You've got to choose where you put them. And of course, you've got a split vote. Who knows? Yeah. So I got so worked up then because, you know, that was, I don't know, 12 years ago or something. And I was a bit, in terms of movies, I was a little bit greener than I am now. Yeah. But um I kept thinking then, you know, oh, I'm going to get an Oscar nomination. I'm gonna, but I, and I didn't. So, you know, yeah. you then put it to the back of your mind. And I put it so much to the back of my mind that I was actually rehearsing Long Day's Journey in Tonight mm. um, when the Oscar nominations were being read out for Phantom, for the 20, whatever it was, Oscars, Phantom Tread. Yeah. And we were just coming out to, at the end of our lunch break <laughs> And I was sitting there ready, to, looking at my lines, ready to go. And my best girlfriend rang me and she just went, ah! <laughs> That's the perfect way to receive news. <laughs> the perfect way. Um, so then we did actually stop rehearsals and have some champagne. So that was yeah, very good. Rightfully. But no, I mean, so I, yeah, you don't. Because it's such a funny game, all that stuff, really. And, you know, I've seen so many brilliant performances over the years that don't get recognized. And um, so, you know, it's nice when you do and it's sad when you don't. So you have to take it with a pinch of salt. Of course. Yeah. I, I will say the other thing that I got from the film that I love is I, I do think there's a special thing amongst like queer people like myself, who we see films about older women, women who are sort of blazing their own path in a different kind of way. And we, they become our heroes. They become our allies in a lot of ways, I think. And like right. this film is so it's like catnip for that. It's everything that <laughs> I want to applaud in a film. And I want to know if you think like the, it does seem unique that there aren't a lot of films about women of a certain age doing their own thing, going in their own path and their own journey it has no relation to a man at all. And yeah. did you respond to that, that sort of message in this film? Yes, totally. And I'm always looking for work that, you know, gives me, allows me that. I mean, there's plenty of great plays that I've done that are dealing with women of my age. I think television's dealing with it more now. Yeah. Certainly television in the UK is. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm very much part of that. You know, I've, I've been doing quite a lot of television lately and I've been playing some really great roles that, that, uh, that uh, great roles that are not where women are not pigeonholed and they are defining their own lives and their destiny and making decisions and not just being the wife or the mother and and are allowed to be sexy yeah you know which is the other big thing that's you know there's this kind of feeling of well once you're over 50 who wants to know about whether you whether you're going on a hot date well why yeah. not yeah you know why not? It's interesting because all the women over 50 actually want to see that. Yeah. Because it it, it make it helps them to have a positive view of themselves, you know, that we're it's not over. You know, yeah. it's not far from over, in fact. But um 
So I think it's getting better, mm-hmm. but I think it's slowly getting better and it needs to get carry on getting better. But there's a climate for it. There is definitely an audience for it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, you know, actresses like Annette Benning, Meryl Streep, Helen Mirren, they're, they're still out there plowing on and doing, you know, doing that and redefining it all and just saying, yeah, I'm in my 70s, but look at me still. Yeah. You know, refusing to be invisible and I'm trailing the blaze right behind them. I love it. Yeah, no, it, Mrs. Harris definitely, definitely is that. I, I, the other thing that I loved about the film is that, I mean, I'm an American, I'm from the Midwest, I, but I've always been obsessed with everything British. It's just, I, I've gone many times just because I'm obsessed and the British film in particular and TV has always been a huge thing. And I want to know if like, do I mean... Do you have the same reaction to American culture? What do you think it is that Americans are so obsessed with sort of the British sort of uh, magic, if you will? Well, I guess, well, I suppose historically, uh, and with good reason, you know, we, we, we do have some pretty good actors. You've got some amazing actors as well. Yeah. But I think we've got we've got actors who've had a big theatre history and it's a slightly different breed, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we haven't had until much more recently the kind of film industry that America's had, but, you know, we've had something else. We have had the this great theatre history, really good television, mm-hmm. whereas America now is making phenomenally good television. Yeah. I think it's all been sort of swings and roundabouts. I mean, I love watching American television, you know, and I think that that, that unlike 15, 20 years ago when it wasn't so hot, it's Mm -hmm. brilliant now. I mean, give me succession. I could eat that for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Oh, same. Oh, my God. And that's, but that's also very British. I'm just opening my window because I'm getting hot. Sure. Sure. But succession does feel very British in a lot of ways. I've always thought that it feels like a British sort of drama thriller. Yeah, I guess so. And it has got a lot of British actors in it as well, yeah. hasn't it? Yeah. Matthew McFadden, Brian Cox, mm-hmm. Harriet Walter. Um, yeah. But um, I, 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 I mean, I love, I'm, I'm loving American television at the moment. And, um, you know, I, I, Films, you know, you've just been nailing it with films for centuries. You know? yeah, yeah, we'll let we'll let the UK have it for uh, about another few years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do hope I will. So I'm going to put this out there right now that you should be on Succession. I that literally just planted in my head, and now I can't not. I it. have actually told my agent that I want to be in Succession, but I think they're shooting a, se- a series now, and there's no way I could be in it now. So it'd have to depend if they do another one. Well, but they I'd will. love to be in it. Oh my God, I would love to see that. I do have to ask you though. So you brought up another year earlier and the amount, I mean, I, I've, I've been following you for a few years and I, I've, I've loved a lot of your work, but another year blew me away. And the amount of anger, I was one of the people that was very angry. You were not nominated for an Oscar for another year. I saw that film and I was blown away by it. And your collaborations with Mike Lee in general, Mike Lee is one of those directors that I just... I'm in awe of because there's nobody else like him. There's absolutely nobody else like him. What is is it about Mike Lee's work and Mike Lee's films that you've enjoyed working on over the years? And has it 
has it changed the type of actor you are? Has his films changed sort of how? Oh, yes. I mean, listen, I met Mike when, in my early 20s when I really didn't know what day it was. I mean, I certainly didn't know what type of actor I was, what I wanted to do, where I wanted to go. I was kind of blindly just having a very nice career, but always playing myself. The notion of playing a character that was not like me didn't come into it for me. I didn't go to drama school. I was kind of, you know, hoofing it and tap dancing and a bit jazz hands. Um, and then along came Mike Lee. And, you know, he he was the first person to say, you know, you're really good and you can play somebody that's not like you. And that's been so formative because he has, it's why I'm never typecast. It's why I'm playing Ada Harris and why I'm playing Princess Margaret, you know, those two completely different social ends of the social scale. Um, and that's due to Mike giving me this enormous range of roles to play. Mm -hmm. And of course, the way he works, which I'm sure you're familiar with a bit, is that he's, you know, there is no, there's no script, but what he does with the actors is do the work of the playwright, the screenwriter, he does that with them, but it's slow. You know, it's a, a another year is a nine month gig. You know, you wow. create those characters slowly, individually, one to one with him over months. Mm -hmm. And then he starts to put you with other characters and then you do improvisations and then you hone it all down and you make it wow. concise so that it's a script. And, it, you know, you never roll the camera and see what happens. You know absolutely what you're saying by the time you're filming it. Yeah. So it becomes a script, but we just have a different route to get to the script. It's not yeah. it's not a play a screenwriter on their own writing it. It's a collaborative thing with Mike and the actors. And yeah. I've just always found that so liberating and wonderful. I've I've and I'm obviously it suits me. You know, it doesn't suit everybody. Yeah. I just love the freedom of creating this character and the time it takes and the depths that you go into. And then you create somebody like Mary who, you know, I can sort of still, still feel her and understand her. You know, I can kind of look to the chair next to me here and think I could sort of visualize Mary there. Yeah. They become so full for you because you, you've created them. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like, I mean, my last question for you is, and I think this is so perfect that, you know, audiences are going to be able to see you as Mrs. Harris, which I think is totally different from anything you've ever done. I've never, I've, yeah. seen, a lot, I've seen a lot of your work and she's, she's completely different. And I love that. But then Princess Margaret is also so different from Mrs. Harris in, yes, in yeah. where, and I love let, that audiences let's are going to hope, let's hope. <laughs> let's hope so. Yes. But I love that audiences are getting both of that from you in the same year are you i mean you're you're obviously i don't know if you're shooting uh the crown now i think they might have just finished shooting or something but are you excited for people to see you as princess margaret and like what how did you approach finding your version of princess margaret well i knew for a very long time before we started that i was going to play her so i had time to read the books and just let it all kind of sink in and then to watch, go back and watch seasons one to four with Vanessa Kirby and Helena Bonham Carter and use all of that that they brought to her and just observe it. But then, you know, the day comes when the scripts arrive and you are, it's like any other job, you're doing a drama. 
But yes, I've been soaking her up and absorbing her by osmosis and uh, she's been getting into my bones. But then it's a drama and you have to treat the script in any other way that you treat any other script. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, the concept of The Crown is that every two seasons there's a new there's a new group of people, new bunch of actors playing them. And I think, you know, you have that half an hour to make the adjustment. Every time you see, you went, oh, she's Margaret now. Oh, she's the queen now, you know. Yeah. And then you have to have to just make, because, you know, there's no way Vanessa Kirby could be playing Margaret in her 50s, 60s and 70s. She's not that old. You yeah, know? yeah. So somebody else has got to start playing it. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, it's thrilling. It's a thrilling um it's an, a very unique project to work on, mm -hmm. um, and it is so oozing with excellence in every department. Um, uh, and you know what an iconic woman, what an iconic woman to play. And, you yeah. know uh, how it's just an, it's an it's a, it's a great character to have had the privilege to try and um, do do justice to. Mm -hmm. And I love that. I mean, because the crown is so huge internationally i mean the audience <laughs> for the crown is insane that so many people are going to see you and then hopefully trickle yeah. back and see some of your and see another year and see mrs harris and i just have a feeling at the end of the year we're going to see you at a lot of award shows so i'm really excited about that oh well that's so. that's kind of you to say thank you and thank you so much for taking the time to do this i really appreciate it well me too and it's lovely to speak to you thank you so much you know what? Leslie Manville is almost as magical as the film Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris, which you should really see. I can't praise it enough. Let me know what you thought about today's episode, and if you have any guesses about what I'm likely eating right now in Paris as we speak. Hint, carbs are certainly involved. You can find me at H. Allen Scott on everything. And thanks for listening to Newsweek's Parting Shot. If you liked what you just heard, consider leaving a little rating and review and possibly sharing it on social media. For more on the latest news and podcasts, head to Newsweek.com and follow Newsweek on all the social platforms. Until then, watch something fun and have a great day.